We are so privileged this morning to have a guest speaker with us today. Bob Hazlett is our guest speaker. He'll be with us this morning. He'll be with us tonight at 6 p.m., and then he will be with us tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. as well for more of a teaching workshop. Uh, Bob has traveled extensively across the country and the world over the last 20 years with a heart's desire for the local church to equip the local church and to teach an empowering message of how we can continue to walk in the greater gifts and the gifts that God has of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to continue to introduce him. I just want to ask if you would just give me or just join me in giving Bob a warm welcome. Would you, warm, would you welcome Bob Hazlett this morning? All right. Thank you very much. Good morning. Wow. That is some powerful sound system you have here. That's awesome. So good. You guys are sitting way back there. I don't know what they told you about me, but are you, are you scared or something? No, just kidding. I'll just come down here. I could, it's like the old school days. They used to have you on a leash, but now you can just come down. So, hey, it's so great to be with you. Good to be back in Pennsylvania. This is where I'm from. I'm a Bucks County guy and I actually have some family in this church. Apparently, they don't go to the first service, though. But my niece and nephew uh, go here, and as well as my sister goes here. So um, thanks for having me, Pastor Paul. I'm expecting to have a great time, a uh, fun time, if you will. I don't want to sound irreligious, but I think church should be fun. Um, Jesus was a fun guy to hang around with, even when it came to the spiritual gifts, if you will. And I know you know what we're going to talk about, maybe demonstrate the spiritual gifts, talk about, you know, how do we connect with this God that we can't see? That's that's pretty spooky spiritual stuff, right? Uh, it's normal when we come to church and sing about him, but when you think this is a God you can't see and you actually are worshiping an entity you can't see, feel, or touch, that's a pretty spooky thing. Now, when someone says to you, but, you know, I, I actually think I can hear God speak to me. How many ever feel you hear God speak to you in your life? And that's, that's kind of my job. In fact, the Bible says that you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. Especially the gift of prophecy, it says. Especially, so it's something special about that, which means we should eagerly desire all that God has for us, but we should especially de- desire that we could hear his voice, that we could talk to him, that, he would, that we would talk back to him, and he would talk to us, and then we could talk to others for him. That's naturally what it means. Now, it doesn't sound so crazy when I say it like that, does it? But when I say, well, you can, everyone can prophesy, it sounds really strange. And I, I understand because we all have different cultures and come from different places. You see, I grew up in a church where we knew that the pastor could hear God's voice because that was sort of his job, right? Anybody here grow up in church like it's been like your privilege and burden to grow up in church? I was a week old, they told me, when they took me to my first church service. Back in those days, they had wooden pews that we sat in. My mom said I teethed on the back of a wooden pew. Thankfully, it wasn't the bottom of the pew because that's where people put gum. I don't know if you remember those days. <laughs> that's, you stick their chewing gum down there underneath the wooden pew. And, and uh, sometimes if the kids, if we we're bad in children's church, they made us go and scrape with a putty knife. That's why church wasn't fun back in those days. But I've learned to make church fun, and, and we will have fun. And if you won't have fun, I'm definitely going to have fun here, okay? Because I, I love what I do, and it's a privilege to be here. It's, it's not always... Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unusual experience for me just to come uh, to a local church and just to hang out uh, for a weekend. And, and usually I'm at speaking at a conference or things like that. And this year I've already um, covered a few miles. I've been to Germany and I was in Oklahoma City this past weekend. And I'm here and I'm, I'm always happy to say my favorite, my second favorite place to be is here. Everybody asks me, you know, you are around the world. Where's your favorite place to be? 100% my favorite place to be is home. 
I love to be home. Love my family, love my house, love my home church. My second favorite place is right here because this is where I am right now. So like I am in my second favorite place in the world right now at Bridge Community Church in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. And I think it's God's favorite place to be here too. He's, he's his favorite place to be is with me, just so you know. I know you think it's with you, but it's really with me. So I grew up in a church where I, um, I knew that the pastor could hear God's voice because he would do something while he was preaching. Now, let me take you back to the old days. This is like retro church, okay? Remember these things they used to have in church? They were, they were, they were these heavy objects that had paper on them and ink on the paper. And then purple ribbons that came out of them. They're called Bibles. Does anybody ever remember those things? Do you have those things here? Okay. You guys, oh, you actually have them under your chair. Oh, yes, you guys. So, yeah, I mean, I have my Bible. And if I was Joel Osteen, I would say, this is my Bible. I am what, I, what it says I am. I, whatever. <laughs> I am what Siri says I am. <laughs> no, but hopefully not that, right? So he would do this thing when he was preaching. My pastor growing up, he would put his Bible out, and he had really long ribbons. That's how we knew he was super spiritual. He put his Bible out, and he'd be leaning in preaching. And in the middle of his message, he would look in the left corner and he'd get this scrunched up look on his face and, and he'd go like this. Yes, God. OK, God, I'll do that, God. And then he'd just go back to preaching. Strangest thing, but he would do it probably once or twice a month, maybe. And as a kid, I'm sitting in church going. Why is why is God in timeout? Like, why is God in the corner? And it was always in the left, too. And then I'm thinking, my next question was, well, what's God telling him? If it's that important, why did, and he stopped his message, why didn't he tell us what he said? Like, God in the corner just told me this for you. But he didn't tell us what God said. And I, so I was free to make things up. Because if you grow up in church, you read the Bible a lot, you hear a lot of sermons, you just, you're free to make things up. You just use your imagination. So I'm thinking, well, he, God's probably telling him he's preaching too long. Hurry up. People are hungry. Maybe God's telling him the score of the Eagles game because that would be an awesome gift to have. Just saying if I could raise a lot of money for missions if I had that gift. By the way, let me commend you for being in the first service, fighting through the storm. Unless you guys are all like, I don't know, Saints fans or something and you want to get to the game. Maybe that's why you're here early. But uh, I was praying Part of me was praying the Eagles would win last week. Part of me was praying, oh, I don't know, God, because I don't know if people will come to church if they make the next round. But uh, we're here anyway because we love Jesus, right? So here's, here's what I want to say to you is that it's not just pastors that hear God's voice. We all do. In fact, I remember the first time I heard God's voice for myself, and it wasn't in a church service, although I'm sure I had. In fact, you can't come to Jesus if you haven't heard God because the only one could come to him except through the Father. You hear the Father's voice. But I remember the first time I heard God's voice, and it was, I was 15 years old. I had just gotten my first job, a good Christian job at Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, Oxford Valley Mall, Langhorne, Pennsylvania. And uh, I was allowed to work there because it was closed on Sundays. That's the only place my parents would let me work at. And I worked all the way through high school. They gave me a little scholarship for college. I worked there a little bit in college at, at the King of Prussia one many, many years ago. And um, I remember arriving my first day at work. My boss said to me, hey, you ready to go? I said, I'm ready to go. He said, I'm going to give you the hardest job in the store. I said, the hardest job? Bring it on. I want want the hardest job. He said, all right. 
you're going to make French fries. I'm like, French fries? How can that be hard? You put them in the basket, put them in oil, you hit the timer, when they come out, you put salt on them, done, easy. He said, no, that is not how we make French fries at Chick-fil-A. Like, this guy was super serious about everything, but particularly, he must have had an affinity for waffle fries. I'm just saying. So, he said, look, if you make too many French fries and nobody comes and buys the French fries, the French fries only have a lifespan of two and a half minutes. Really serious. He said, so if, if you make too many French fries and nobody's here to buy them, the fries will be dead. And then he just paused like that, like, you will be responsible for the death of innocent potatoes. Just let me know that. I'm like, okay. And he said, the other thing is, if you don't make enough French fries and people come to buy them and we don't have French fries, they'll go to McDonald's. And then he didn't say it, but it was kind of like, and you will be dead, basically. (laughs) So now I'm like, man, I wasn't nervous before, but now I'm nervous. And I don't know, you know, sometimes you don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's you or if it's just something you remember or something that happens. But I remember standing there going, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. This is going to be tough. I look out in the mall. There's nobody here. I look at this, you know, oil bubbling in front of me and there's no fries. I'm like, how do I know when to make French fries? And then it dawned on me, you know, my pastor talked to God while he was working and God spoke to him. Maybe God will talk to me. And so I sort of just whispered this prayer. God, tell me when to make French fries. Just help me out here. Uh, it's a really honest prayer. I just honestly, I was like, help me do this. Help, help me know when to make the French fries. So I would love to tell you that, you know, it was a really spiritual experience that the oil bubbled up and said, I am the Lord God of French fries. Make us thou potatoes. And, and it didn't happen. You know, maybe an, I would love to have an angel come out with like, you know, an apron on with a cow that says eat more chicken. That would have been awesome. You know, and there probably are angels like that because who knows? It didn't happen that way. I'm looking at the mall. I'm looking at the oil. I'm looking at the frozen French fries. And I just get this impression, make French fries. And I'm like, ah, I don't see anybody here. Make French fries now. Just this urge for fries. I mean, I have that like twice a week anyway. <laughs> Seriously. Like I've been trying, I'm on the road. I'm trying to substitute salad for fries. But sometimes you just can't do that. You know what I'm saying? The, the fries are just calling out to you. Come to me. All you who are hungry and are heavy laden. And I will give you carbs. And so... Sometimes carbs just call out from, from, it's like deep calling unto deep. So, (laughs) I don't know. You guys have really good coffee. I just drank a little of it and I'm feeling really good. So like, I don't usually judge churches, but I do judge them by their coffee. And you guys, you guys are good. Good coffee. So, so I I put the French fries in and and I may have, or may have not, it's, I can't verify this or not. I may have spoken in tongues for a little bit over the fries. I'm not sure, but I don't know if it would have helped or not, but something happened. I made the fries. When I salted them, people came and this is an absolutely true story. We had a two hour French fry rush and I kept up with it the whole time. And my boss turned to me and he said, who are you? Where have you come from? 
we're going to call you the fry master. And he called me the fry master, and I was so excited because you know how it is when you don't want to give people more money, give them a new title. <laughs> That's what one of the pastors I work for said. My pastor, my pastor, we don't give people raises, we just give them a promotion, you know. So, but he said, I'm going to drive you home today if you need a ride. I, I said, sure. He drove me home, and in my, in my driveway, he said, you know, you did a great job today. And today I'm going to, is your first day of work, but I'm going to give you a raise your first day. So I did get a promotion and a raise, 10 cents an hour, which was a huge deal back then. And what I learned is this, is that God loves potatoes. <laughs> Actually, God loves me. And if potatoes are important to me, they're important to him. Because God will talk to you about what's important to you. Because you're important to him. Number two, I found out if you learn to hear God's voice, you can make more money. Just kidding. Actually, <laughs> it's actually a scripture when God said to Joshua, don't let the book of this law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, and you will be successful at whatever you do. So I actually do believe God, when God speaks to you, you become a better dad. You become a better wife, a, a better teenager, a better whatever you do, because you have God in you. Does that make sense? This is really my passion. This is really my heart is that, is that I can help people connect with this unseen, un God that you can't feel, God you can't touch. And, and it sounds weird. And I, I fly a lot. I do about 180,000 miles in the air every year. And I just, it's just what I do. I go to conferences and I speak at places. And we do a lot of missions work too. This year we'll be in South Africa. We'll be in Nigeria. We'll be in Brazil. And we'll be in Europe in actually just a couple of weeks. I'll be uh, back in Europe for the second time at a, at a biggest, um, the biggest Pentecostal church in Germany, in Stuttgart, Germany, uh, International uh, German um, Leaders Conference. I'm really excited because my greatest thing to do is I love to speak to leaders and encourage leaders. And so, anyway, there's some of what we do. Keep us in prayer. And um, it's an honor to be here with you today. And this weekend, we're going to have a good time. Now, I'm going to have a short time with you today. I'm hopefully going to turn this over at exactly the right time. And I think I know the time I'm supposed to. Holy Spirit's going to help me. But no, we're going to have a good time. Um, and I do have some resources back there. If you get stirred up in something, say, hey, you know, I, I want to really hear God for myself better. Um, there are things that I have that can help you learn to hear God. And, and Jesus actually helped his disciples, and we're going to talk about that today. He helped them to hear God's voice better. Um, I have a teaching back there. and it's, it's, I, have a, I have a second book I don't have with me. It's called Think Like Heaven. The subtitle is Change Your Thinking, Change Your World, which um, the publisher came up with that subtitle. I wanted the subtitle to be Think Like Heaven, Don't Stink Like Hell. But um, they didn't like that, and they said, no, we won't put that. So this is a teaching on that. It, it actually it sounds audacious to say think like heaven, but actually here's what it means. God says my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth are my thoughts from your thoughts. And it's actually an invitation to be like, hey, you need to start thinking like me. If you just, a lot of times in church, we've concentrated on changing people's behavior. But if we change their thinking, their behavior will change. God really didn't die to change our behavior. He died to transform who we are, to make us who he is. He took all of our sins so that we could take all of his righteousness. It's a beautiful exchange. Great deal for us. I don't know how he feels about it, but I think he's pretty happy because he created you to be like him in the first place anyway. And then he died to buy you back. This is called Shift Your Thinking. So it's, it's just a chapter out of the book, and it talks about, and, and I'm going to talk about it today from this passage that this is about. And it's, 
It's four places that your thoughts can come from. They can come from just the atmosphere. You ever been in the grocery store? By the way, I did buy the Oreos yesterday. I went to Redner's, got my storm supplies, and I got all healthy stuff, blueberries, nuts, and fruit, and you have all that good stuff. And then I did see these. They were fake Oreos. They were like, I don't know how they are. Maybe you just have them here. They were like mint Oreos, but I usually can't eat Oreos because they have dairy and I have a dairy allergy. And these were all natural. So that's what you need to get, these mint Oreos. I don't know if I'll even eat them or take them home to my kids, but I just felt good picking up the Oreos. So, so you could be in the grocery store and you could have a song playing. Next morning you wake up, that song's in your head. Where'd it come from? The grocery store. Came from the atmosphere, right? Stuff is floating around in the atmosphere that we pick up and we need to sometimes flip it out. We sometimes need to sift it out. Jesus called casting away vain imaginations. Thoughts come from adversity you have in your life. Maybe you got beat up when you were a kid. Maybe you got made fun of. Maybe you were literally abused. But that's adversity in your life that can't shape who you are unless you believe it. And so that's adversity that tries to speak to us sometimes in our life. And we can overcome that with the voice of the Father. The third area that we get hear voices from sometimes or sounds from is the accuser of the brethren, the devil himself. He spoke to Jesus and accused him. And he, the Bible says he stands before God, accuses you day and night. He, he's an accuser. He has nothing else to do but lie about you. Good thing the Father understands he's the truth, right? And so the accuser might accuse you, and you might believe some of those lies. Maybe you're worthless. You should take your life. People have had all kinds of thoughts that they thought were their own. They weren't. They were from the devil. And Jesus just used the word of God and what the Father said about him. I am, you know, I, I'm not going to turn this stone into bread because he already said I'm the son of God. I don't have to do something to prove I'm God's son. I already am. What's he doing? He's taking what God has already spoken in, what the father said to counteract what the accuser says. The fourth place the thoughts come from are from above. And that's what this talks about. How to understand when God's speaking to you and how you get thoughts from above. Interesting. There's a scientific study. Listen to this. 50% of the hours you're awake, you daydream. Did you know that? I'm looking at some of you thinking it's more like 75%, but I'm just trying. Which means that 50% of the time that you're awake, you're, 50% of the time I'm talking to you, you're checked out. <laughs> and most of you are starting to check out anyway, which is why I go back to humor, because it brings people back to the moment, because we get checked out, because we, we live in this world that constantly pulls us away in our thoughts. And, but something's happening when you're daydreaming is that your, your brain communicates with itself in ways it never does at any other time when you're daydreaming. It's a very um, intuitive uh, process. It's actually a creative process. And so be aware of when you're in worship and your mind drifts. It might not be drifting. It might be God talking to you. Be aware when you're listening to a sermon or a message that when you're daydreaming, it actually might be an inspiration moment. There was a man who was in church, a pastor was preaching, the man began to daydream. He wrote down his idea, and he invented something called post-it notes. They were invented in church, a billion-dollar idea, invented during a sermon. Just saying, if you have a billion-dollar idea today, Bob Hazlett Ministries, Bridge Community Church, (laughs) tax-deductible, okay? All right. So that'll help you understand how you can understand God's thoughts is back there. Also, I have um, some resources for children. I believe if you teach your children how to hear God's voice at a young age, they won't have to overcome some of the things we had to overcome. You know, I grew up having nightmares and night terrors um, almost every night in my parents' room. 
having a nightmare and tight tear, they'd pray for me. And so when we had kids, my wife and I decided we were going to sing. My wife would sing over my children. Every night we'd pray over them. And my children never had nightmares. They had dreams from God, in fact. And I believe God does speak through dreams still. But if not, at least he can give you peaceful sleep. And so, you know, I believe that God heals our sleep. In fact, the Bible said God gives his beloved sleep. Actually, the literal translation is God gives to his beloved in their sleep, which means there's stuff God wants to give to you while you're sleeping. And so we've had hundreds of testimonies from this CD of children that listen to this when they go to bed that have been healed of nightmares, night terrors, because it just creates the atmosphere of peace so that they can hear God. Um, I will say, don't listen to this while you're operating heavy equipment or driving your car, because you may fall asleep. Anybody here that does have a child having trouble sleeping or having any nightmares, any issues like that? Or know someone that you could give this to? I'd love to give this to you to give to them. All right? Can, I, can you come and grab it? Is that all right? Are you allowed to do that? Are people allowed to get out of their seat in church here? Uh, I'm not sure. Because, you know, I grew up in church. It wasn't like that, you know. You know, don't get out of your seat unless I tell you. Or, you know, okay, this is church. You sit there. You listen to what I say. And then you leave. You don't do anything I tell you. That's church. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, this church is, I know, interactive. And we're going to have a good interactive time. Uh, you said Monday night, right? So tonight, no interaction. I get to have the mic, and you guys get nothing. Monday night, we'll see. If you're good, maybe we'll take some questions. All right. My wife has a worship CD back there as well. Um, it's called Take Me In, Psalms, Hymns, and Spiritual Songs. The Bible says, build yourself up with Psalms, Hymns, Spiritual Songs. She took um, Psalms of David and wrote songs from them, the happy ones. Um, she took, if you've ever read the other ones, you don't want to sing those. They're like country music, right? Um, <laughs> Hymns. Anybody know what a hymn is? Not the opposite of a her. It's actually something we used to sing in church. Powerful. And I believe that God's bringing them back and breathing on them again. And so she put um, some of my favorite hymns on here. Come thou fount, great is thy faithfulness, nothing but the blood. And my favorite hymn of all time, I come to the garden alone, in the garden. And so anybody like that hymn? Does anybody say, yeah, that's my favorite hymn? Okay, Paul, I'll give it to you. You're, you're an old school like, guy like me. You're a hipster with an old soul. That's what you are, Pastor Paul. Should I call you Pastor Paul? Paul? Bishop? <laughs> all right. Are you guys ready to roll? I know. I'm, I'm, I use up all my time telling jokes, but that's just the way I have to warm you guys up for what's going to happen because it's going to be scary. All right. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. We're going to take a look for a minute. At, I want to talk to you about how to hear the Father's voice. How to hear the Father's voice. Do you know that you were created to hear God's voice? It was the very first thing you were created to do. When God wanted to create the world, he chose a method to create the world. That was unusual. If I were me, I might have, you know, done something cool, like got a bunch of cranes and, you know, big bolt, big machines and done awesome stuff. I might have decided, you know what, I want to do this right with my own hands. But he, he spoke. God said, let there be, and there was. And so... He decided that he was going to use his voice as, the, at the, mess, as, as the, the method and the vehicle to bring the atmosphere of heaven into the earth. That was his choice. And, 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 I, and I think it's actually a pattern of how we created it. If you look at creation, we're going to look at that a little bit this weekend a little bit more. But I want to talk to you more about the process of how Jesus taught his disciples um, to hear God. And I want to say, take a look at this, just four verses, and we're going to go through this for a little bit. If I ended at 20 after, or 25 after, what do you think? Fine, good, all right, just let me know. Is there like a trap door or something that's going to open up? I'm good, <laughs> totally good. And we're, we're going to have 
It's going to be good. When Jesus came, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, listen, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I'm going to go one more verse beyond that. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. Now, I want to just unpack this for you for a little bit this morning. And I want to give you three simple um, steps, maybe, how you can learn to hear The Father's voice. And I say the Father, I mean God. Because Jesus came to reveal God. He came to show the invisible God in visible form. And Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Or the theological term is incarnate, in the flesh, right? And so everything that was the Father was in Jesus. The fullness of the Father. Now Jesus put aside some of his divine um, attributes, but never put aside his divine nature. And so he didn't put aside, he put aside his omniscience. He didn't know everything. He put aside his omnipresence. He wasn't everywhere. And he put aside his um, omnipotence. He wasn't all-powerful. Although, with the Holy Spirit inside of him, he operated as a man filled with the Father or filled with the Holy Spirit. He actually demonstrated what it's like to be a Christian. That's what he said. Jesus said, I came to show you what the Father looks like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I came to show you what the Father sounds like. If you've heard my words, you've heard the Father's words. This is John 14 through 17, by the way. He came to show us what the Father does. I do the works of my Father. He basically is saying, I came to put flesh on an invisible God. And then he goes on to say to his disciples, and the works that I do, same conversation, and the works that I do and greater works than these, you will do because I go to be with the Father. And I know that a lot of times we get really heady about that and say, I could do greater works than Jesus. That's cool. Let's start with doing what Jesus did first. Jesus demonstrated what God looked like. Jesus demonstrated what God sounded like. Jesus demonstrated what God did. Let's start with that. How about if you're on your job, you look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, act like Jesus. That's a miracle right there. That's what Jesus came is to put flesh on God. And you're here to put flesh to Jesus. You're here to demonstrate who Jesus is. And so Jesus in this conversation, he's teaching them how to hear from the Father because he's about to go away. And he demonstrates the first step to hearing the Father. And what is it? He asks them a question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Can I tell you something? That everything new you learn starts with a question. Learning to hear the Father starts with a question. And sometimes what happens is religion wants to give us the answer, but actually relationship leads us into asking questions. And people that grow up in religion, sometimes they think they have all the answers. And so they ask a question from the place that I already know the answer. I'm right, you're wrong, but I'm going to ask you this anyway to see if you agree with me. And Jesus actually didn't ask the question to see if they were right or wrong or see if they agreed with him. Listen to what he asks. Who do people say that I am? What was the answer? Some people say you're Jeremiah. Some people say you're Elijah. Were were they the right answers? 
See, Jesus wasn't asking the question to see if they had it right. Jesus was asking the question to see if they were hungry for the truth. And if you're asking a question because you're hungry for the truth, that's when the father responds. Because look at the, look at the answers that they give, what they say. Well, some people say, you're Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah. And one of the prophets, some say, look at this one. Some say, you're John the Baptist. Now, to me, all of those answers are a little crazy sounding. Like, Jesus, you're Elijah, come back in the flesh. You're Jeremiah, come back in the flesh. But the John the Baptist one's the craziest of all, because John the Baptist walked on this earth the same time as Jesus. Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. Basically, they're saying, um, yeah, you're your crazy cousin who eats locusts and honey and has, you know, a weird hairdo and smells funny like camels. And that actually died three months ago and got his head chopped off. And you're that guy come in the flesh. That's what some people think. That's nuts. Would you go to a church where a pastor preaches that? But what does Jesus say to this? Nothing. Do you know why? Because learning to hear from the Father requires us to start asking new questions. And sometimes in the process of asking those questions, what we're going to come up with is it's outside of the box, but it's not from God. And God doesn't condemn you for wanting to learn. And here's what I want to say to you is that God answers hungry hearts. He answers seeking hearts. And Jesus demonstrates this by saying, well, who do you say that I am? He never corrects their wrong answers. He just asks them questions that will lead them to the truth. See, the father responds to questions that come from a seeking heart. And I might add, not a cynical know-it-all head. (laughs) You see, I know the difference between those two because I've been both of those people. I'm the guy who, you know, I had it figured out. I was a youth pastor at 19, a pastor at 28. I was pastoring a church not far from here. Within the first six months, we had broken the 30-year attendance record of that church, which was never broke 100 in its 30-year history. So we broke 100 in the first six months. And I thought, I got this figured out. I'm building a big church. And then I started hearing about uh, a revival that was going on in in Pensacola, Florida. And you may not have heard of the Brownsville Pensacola Revival. Uh, If you didn't Google it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, people lined up 6 o'clock in the morning to get into church at 6 o'clock at night. They did it for three years straight, all through the hot Florida sun. This revival went on for three years straight, every single day, up to 10,000 people a night gathered there from around the world. People told me about this for two years while I was pastor. There's a revival in Florida. God's moving in Florida. I'm like, God's moving here. Why do I have to go to Florida? That's probably, you know, let me just be honest with what I said. Those are just Southern Pentecostal people getting emotional, dancing around, waving flags. We don't do that up here. We're Mennonite or whatever we are up here. You know, we're... So... After two years, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go check this out. If it's God, we're going. I said, honey, let's go. I told my wife, let's go. If this is God, we're in. If it's not, we're out of here. So we gave ourselves a whole week. And the first night, I'll just be honest with you. We walked in the back of that church and standing there, and I'm looking, and, and they're singing songs and dancing around. And I'm like, this is just Southern Pentecostal people getting emotional, dancing around, waving flags. But God was there. I felt 
God was there. Have you ever had that moment where you're just like, there's something in the atmosphere today. Or met a person like, there's something different about you. God was there. And someone came up to me and they said, hey, are you a pastor? And then my voice changed. Because <clears throat> you know how pastors are when they get together. They have this like real baritone that comes in. Well, yes, brother, I am a pastor. Especially in the Assemblies of God. But I'm from the Assemblies of God. You know, it's like, if you can say God like that, you deserve to be. That's part of the ordination test for us. When we, I was Assembly of God pastor back then. Assemblies of God. And I'm totally cool with that. They're, I have you know, my friends that are still part of the organization. I love it. And so uh, he said, well, there's a pastor section. You can sit up front here. Here's a badge. They gave me this yellow stick-on badge. I said, pastor, which made me not have to stand in line for 12 hours. Super happy about that. And I got a seat closer to the front. And what they didn't tell me was the pastor section was in the flag waving section. I made sure I got an end seat just to be sure, but there were there was hundreds of pastors there that night. But I got the flag waver like right in my face, and I swear that I think this lady was a prophetic flag waver, which means she closed her eyes and just swung it and never hit you, but it just came close enough to snap you right in front of your nose. You know, like boom, and it was it was it was starting to offend me being in that atmosphere until finally it slowed down the slower worship and then it was like a a wafting breeze you know of the flag she was really good she never hit me but she got like really close a couple times and so in the middle of the worship something happened the pastor stopped the worship service now I grew up in Pentecostal church so I know how prophecy works here's how it works you ready three fast songs and along there, when I was growing up, it was usually like, this is the day or something like that. And then three slow songs, usually ending with majesty, worship is majesty. Well, now we're going back a ways. Now. Thank God for the 80s worship songs, right? And then there's a pregnant pause, which sounds really like this waiting period. And then everybody's like, oh, no, I hope she doesn't stand up. <laughs> Sorry. There's nobody like that in this church, I'm sure. It's like there's always the one person, and they say, oh, I'm the Lord your God, I love you with an everlasting love, do not turn to the right and to the left, right? Which is an, it's, it's so biblical, basically, like, I love you, keep on going, don't give up. But, you know, you could have said that without, I am the Lord, like, without King James language, but I get it, right? I thank God for that. But this was not like that at all. He stopped in the middle of this last song, and he said, the Lord is here tonight, and the Lord said, there's a preacher here tonight. He said, it's just like that. There's a preacher here tonight. And in my head, I said, there's 500 preachers here. Of course, there's a preacher here tonight. And then I heard a voice outside of me saying, he's talking to you. And then I looked up. Literally, it's true. I looked up to argue with the voice. Like, he can't be talking to me. And then I'm like, I'm arguing with the voice that I don't believe is God at this moment. He can't be talking to me. And there's 500 pastors here. And here's what he said. You, last night, you were standing in the back of this church, criticizing this revival. I'm like, maybe it's me. <laughs> but today I brought you to the front to show you my power, to touch you with my fire. And he said a couple other things, and he said, son, this is what he said, son, God's going to do. Now, he wasn't pointing at me, but he could. there could have been, for all intensive purposes, there could have been a spotlight on me. There could have been angels singing. There could have been a, a trumpet blasting and it wouldn't have been any more intense for me son god is going to do this 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 with you and there was a lot of big things that happened and that and the, almost all those things have happened so far in my life but the thing that was most important for that moment was not that there were trumpets blowing or angels swirling or the language that was used but 
I heard the word son for the first time, and it, and it wasn't a preacher using language to give a prophetic word or an exhortation. It was God calling me to be a son. Because you see, I grew up in church, and I knew I was called to be a good boy. I was called to go to church. I was called to be a Christian. I even knew I was called to be a minister, a pastor. But it wasn't until that moment, June 26, 1997, that I, I knew for the first time he called me his son. I'm his son. You can't take that from me. You could take away my ministry. You could take away my title, my position, but you can't take away that I'm his son. So my life was never the same from that moment because I heard God's voice, and that's why I am the way I am. That I believe the most important thing you can do in your life is learn to hear God's voice. And so Jesus is trying to teach his disciples that. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You know, I always imagine this with kind of that awkward silence in between, like everybody looking, who do you guys say that I am? And everybody's like, oh, I'm going to answer. I don't know what to say. Of course, Peter's the one. He always wants to answer first, right? And we make fun of Peter a lot, but Peter's hungry. Peter's the guy who's hungry enough to say, if that's you walking on water, I want to come do that with you. Peter's hungry enough to say, you know what? I saw Jesus heal a guy. I can heal this. Peter was hungry. Yeah, he might have felt like, you know, that kind of obnoxious kid that always, you know, raised his hand first in the front of the classroom and always has the answer. But can I tell you something? Hungry people are the learners. And I want to be one of those people that's hungry. God, he's looking for people that are seekers. Seek me. And you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so Peter is a seeker. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And I love Jesus' response. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jodah. If we're in the south, you know what they say. Bless your heart. You know what that means? Yeah, you stupid little thing. Bless your heart, right? <laughs> He's basically saying this. Listen to what he says. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Oh, you sweet little thing. You're too stupid to have figured that out on your own. <laughs> the Father showed that to you. <laughs> I know that's not exactly the right translation. He's actually commending Peter for getting an answer that he didn't get himself. He's saying, good job, Peter. God gave you that answer. You learned to hear from the Father. You learn to hear from the Father. And he's commending him, not because he got the right answer. He's commending him because he discerned where to go for the answer. Can I tell you something? You may not always have the right answer in life, but if you know where to go for the answer, you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. You may not know how to raise a teenager, but you can go to God for the answer and go to people that have wisdom for the answer. You may not know how to be a, a husband you need to be in this next season. or You may not know what God wants to do in your future, but if you know where to go for the answer, that you're a child of God. He loves to speak to his children. And so, blessed are you, Simon, for you, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Can I tell you something? When you learn to hear from the Father, it doesn't just give you answers. It doesn't just give you answers. He actually wasn't trying to get them to answer the question, who am I? Jesus knew who he was. In their heart of hearts, the disciples knew who he was. He was trying to get them to hear the Father. And he says to Peter, I tell you, Peter, 
on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And some people say, well, he's saying, yeah, Peter, you're the rock I'm going to build my church on. I don't have any problem with that interpretation. I believe there's many layers to what could be truth here. I believe Peter did become a foundational stone of the church at that moment. Some people say, well, it's because Jesus, the revelation of who Jesus is, this is the foundation the church is going to be built on. So he was saying it's the revelation of Jesus as the Christ that the church will be built on. I'm with that. I believe that 100%. But I believe there's another layer of truth here, and that's this. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven spoke this to you. And on this rock... I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I think part of what he's saying here is, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going to come in your life. There's some storms that are going to come, medical diagnosis that may come, family issues that may come. Hell may come against you. The gates of hell may come against you. But when you learn to hear what the Father says about you, even though hell comes against you, it can't overcome you. That's the big deal about hearing God's voice. Because, you know, if you follow Jesus because a pastor says to follow Jesus, the day's going to come when that pastor's going to disappoint you. If you follow Jesus because you saw somebody on the Internet heal the sick and you model your life after them, there's going to be a day when you pray for the sick and they're not, they're not healed. But if you follow Jesus because you have a revelation from the Father of who he is, and you can be encouraged by a pastor who teaches you, and you could be encouraged by an evangelist who demonstrates the gospel to you through healing, if you can do that, then that's, that's a wonderful part of your Christian growth. But the thing that's going to lay the foundation in your life is you believe what the Father says about you. That's the most important reason to hear God's voice, is that he calls you son and daughter. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come up so I believe that this weekend is an opportunity for us to learn to hear God's voice. And, and I want to first position ourselves as learners. We're all going to have questions about God, questions about what we believe about God. I try to live this in my life. It's okay for me to have questions as long as I don't question who God is. He is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. He is a good, good father, as we sang today. When life isn't good, he's good. It's okay for us to even make mistakes, and as we're asking God, because making mistakes is part of seeking. And it's okay, it's okay for us, actually, to come into a place where we say, you know what, God, there's stuff around me that wants to shake me, but I want to stand on a rock that's unshakable, a foundation that's unshakable. Do me a favor, stand with me to your feet for a moment. I'm going to pray for you, but I also know, and it's, I know it's an early service, and so you're pretty hardcore if you came to this service, but I, there just might be someone here today. that Maybe there's something that happened in your life recently that's shaken your faith. Talk to a lady this week in a laundromat. Her father passed away Christmas of 2017. She's still shaking from that moment. I'm glad that I got to come in in just a a 10-minute conversation and add something from the father that could give a little stability to her faith and maybe help her on her journey to hear the father.
I was in Oklahoma City last week. <clears throat> I was praying for a, a couple. <clears throat> and I had an impression that they were trying to have a child and couldn't have a child. And I began praying over them. And I thought, heard myself saying uh, to the woman, when you're eight years old, there was something happened to you or people that were supposed to protect you harmed you and it, and it put the thought in your mind that God did, wouldn't protect you when you were in need. But today God's here to tell you he's going to protect you. And as I began to speak over her, I could tell that this was something that, that touched her. And I, and I spoke this. We can go in later how I knew it or what I knew, but... <clears throat> I said, there's, a, there's something in your, in your thyroid and your metabolism that's affecting your body. Something in your, in your uh, female parts is keeping you from reproducing. And it has to do with memories of the past that have tied you to be a victim, that have kept you in your pain. And God's freeing you from that and healing your body and giving you hope. And so afterwards, her and her husband came and spoke to me. And they said, we just came back from the doctor um, this week. And... My wife has endometriosis, can't conceive, and came out in our counseling time that she was abused when she was younger. And there's a lot of things that came out personally that didn't came out publicly. And what I said publicly was to protect her the way I said it. <clears throat> the reason I tell that story is, first of all, because it's fresh, and it's just something that happened unexpected to me in that way. But also to let you know that God sees when stuff happens to you, whether it's 30 years ago, 30 days ago, 30 minutes ago. And maybe you're here today. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're maybe going through some questions, whether or not God is who he said he is or he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Maybe even you're like one of these disciples where you're not even sure who Jesus is. Today, you're actually something is coming on for you a light bulb's coming on to you like wow he's not just like this god who's out there that's invisible he's not just this this being that wants me to do the right thing he's actually my father and i need to i need to to know him actually i need to have a confession of my faith that you're the christ you're the son of the living god and the bible says this that the only way you can know you're a son of god the only way you can know you've been born again born from above is to believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he is and and out of your mouth you confess it that's how the transformation takes place it's spoken and to those who believe he gives the right to be called sons and daughters of God and if you're here today and and you've never done that you've never become a son daughter of God never given your life to Jesus never made the confession Jesus you're the Christ you're the son of the living God well no one's no one's looking around right now I'm just going to ask if you just slip your hand up and say I want to know today I'm a child of God I'm not sure, and I want to know. Thanks, buddy, in the back. Anybody else? I just want to know for sure today. If you're not sure, you can know for sure. All right, we're going to pray with this one person that raised their hand and serve. Um, if you want to talk to somebody after, I'm sure the pastors here will be open to talk to you. But I'm going to ask everyone in this room to pray with me, and we're going to pray it out loud with this one person. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Come into my life. Make all the old things new. Make the dead things alive. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Father. See, the Bible says that you're now a new creation in Christ if you pray that prayer. That goes for every single one of us. You're a new creation in Christ. All the old things are passed away and everything becomes new. In fact, you guys can open your eyes. Look at me for a second. There's a scripture in Isaiah 42. It, it actually it actually is a precursor to what that scripture is in the New Testament. The old things are passed away and everything's become new. God says in Isaiah 42, I'm doing a new thing. Before it springs up, I declare it to you. Which tells us that God is already talking about who you are, the new creation you are before you know it. God was already calling me his son since before the foundation of the world. It says in Ephesians 1 that I was chosen in him to be adopted as his son. And when I came into agreement with what he said about me, and that gave me the right to receive salvation. But he always saw me as a son. I didn't become one until I I saw it myself and confessed it. I came into agreement with what he already said. Really, this is the heart of how God speaks. Sometimes God reveals to us something we didn't even know about ourselves. And when we say amen to what God said yes to, it comes comes to pass. That's what salvation is. We're just saying amen to what God has already said yes to. And really, in a sense, prophecy, if you will, that's what it really is. It's actually... To God revealing something to us from the Father, that when we say amen to it, it now empowers us to become that. And tonight, I want to spend some time, not just even talking about it as much, we're going to talk about it, but I'm going to take some time to demonstrate it. And let's just gather before the Father and see what the Father wants to say to us. Because I believe the Father has a lot to say to you. If He could point a finger or shine a light, Maybe wave a flag over every one of you. He'd say, that's my son. That's my daughter. I'm well pleased. Uh, there's a young man right there. The glasses. What's your name, buddy? Ray? Ray. Or Ray? That's a cool name. My name's just Bob. It's just kind of boring. Or Ray. All right. I want to tell you how happy God is with you. First of all, you're alive. Some people didn't give you much of a chance, but God chose you since before the foundation of the world. Maybe you were kind of the unexpected surprise, but God wants you to know he always planned you since before the foundation of the world. The second thing is, is that God's given you a gift um, with words, Oray. Some people might call it a gift of argument. Um, I I call you could be like a lawyer. You know, you have a, a sense of justice about you that makes you not be able to be silent when people are being mistreated. And you know what it's like to be bullied, and you know what it's like to be standing up to a bully. And Jesus stood up to the ultimate bully for us. And you're going to be one that stands up for people that can't stand up for themselves and gives a voice to people that can't have a voice for themselves. And there's two callings on their life. There's like a ministry calling and a natural calling, and it has to do with being an advocate. And I see even a, a, a gift to be able to debate the faith to be an, uh, to one who can stand up and, and debate the faith and be a, a defender of the faith, if you will. But I also see you with the ability to also be an advocate for people. And I feel like God's going to use you in a way. There's a there's a um, there's a high academic level of achievement that you're going into, and sometimes you're even a little bit too hard on yourself. But God wants you to know 
you're right where you need to be. And I feel like there's even some advanced courses that you're stepping into that you feel like this is kind of over my head, but you're preparing for something greater in the future. And I, and I see literally like an anointing to be like a lawyer or some sort of person in the judicial system that will bring justice to people and be a voice for people who haven't had justice in their life. And so I just want to bless you, first of all, that you are, um, you're an obedient son. But that's not why God loves you. He loves you first because you're a son. And you're obedient because you know God loves you. But I feel like there's something that's coming into your life where God's about to reveal himself in a, in a new way. And I feel like there's even some opportunity coming for you for like uh, the, in, an internship that's going to put you around people that are a higher level than you ever thought you could be around because there's a leadership gift in you that God is teaching you. Uh, and sir, I feel like the Lord is about to do something in your family where he is actually bringing uh, pieces of the family together uh, in new ways in this next season. And I feel like e- there's even some family members geographically separated from you that are going to start to come closer to you uh, in this next season. And I feel like the Lord's going to open up a door and an opportunity uh, where there's been a no, God's going to turn it into a yes. And I saw you like faithfully serving um, kind of like in a bivocational way, serving God and serving people. And I just feel like the Lord says that um, this is a season where God's about to allow you to set your hands to things that are going to be more productive than you ever thought. And there's also a favor that's coming on your life for people that have decisions to make that can affect other people, people in um, government circles, people in civil circles. And I saw you even needing to go for the things that you're called to do uh, to get approval from people that have authority, governmental authority to say yes or no. And that just like Daniel could stand before a king and the king could think differently than Daniel, but tell Daniel, yes, that there's people that are just going to say yes because of the favor of God that's on your life. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you, God, that um, in this place, there's a, um, there's a wind of change that's blowing. And Pastor Paul, just as I drove into the parking lot today, um, I looked out on that field over there, and I, and I felt like I saw like, you walking like, around that field, like Joshua walked around the, the walls of Jericho. And I feel like the Lord is saying, like, there was a piece of land um, that was like valuable to the church in the past, that it was almost like part of the inheritance, but it was sold so that the church could be sustained. And I feel like the Lord is saying, but that there's still a piece of the land to build on. And I feel like the Lord even has, there's almost like even um, these plans for expansion. There's these plans for um, building. And I feel like the Lord even has a multi-purpose building that will be more than just a church, but it'll, it'll serve a purpose for the community. And I feel like one of the things that's going to happen in, the, in this next season is there's something happening uh, in the area of young people and of youth uh, that's going to be a, a fresh wind that's going to blow along the youth. And I even saw you, even as you look to the future plan and, and expanding that, the Lord said, now is the time to build something for young people. And I feel like it has to do with even investing in like um, staff positions and, and investing in opportunities that will bring people in that will draw young people to him. And I feel like there's, there's great gifts in the house, but I also feel like the Lord's going to raise up some leaders from outside. And I saw even just a kind of a the desire of Lord, where do you want to bring the harvest? That's where we want to invest in. And so I'm trying to lift my eyes up, like Jesus said, "Look, 
the harvest is ripe. I'm trying to see where the harvest is. And I see a harvest of the young people in this season. And so it's worth sowing the seed where the harvest is going to be reaped. It's worth sowing the seed. And even as you, I saw you looking even over like just some resumes of people that might be able to come alongside and help with the young people in this next season. I feel like the Lord is saying that he's going to cause one person to rise to the top. And it's almost like you'll know it whenever you see it, that there's an anointing that's going to raise up in this house for the youth in this next season that's actually going to grow the church to a place where um, you'll build what God's called you to build for this next season. And so God, I thank you that this is a church that has been faithful to this city and faithful to families and that this is going to be a year where um, a wind blows that isn't going to blow people out, but it's actually going to blow a wind of the spirit that will cause us to rise up in Jesus' name. And so, Father, I pray what Jesus prayed for his disciples, or he declared over Peter. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And I pray that this week you would begin to speak to them, even as they set their face to prayer and fasting, that they, you would reveal to them from the Father what you say about them and what you want to build in them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for hanging out this morning. I hope you're encouraged this morning. Are you encouraged so far? I hope you're encouraged. Bob, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for coming to start off this next two days. I just want to encourage you all a couple things. Um, The journey begins. This isn't an event. It's a journey. It's a process. Um, If you you can come tonight and you can come tomorrow night, I promise you, as, as, as Bob was saying, those who are hunger, hungry and thirst for righteousness, those who seek God will find God. And if God wants to do something in you and through you, then take the step and do it. And if you have to rearrange the plans, rearrange the plans. Because when God calls you to do something, it's always worthwhile. Always. Um, on a practical thing, I want to invite our, our um, altar people to come up here at this time before the worship team closes in prayer. And if you're here and there's something that you would want them to join alongside of you and just to pray with you, then we're going to give you the opportunity when we dismiss, you can come and just pray with any of the people here. But another practical thing that we just want to do this morning also, and we mentioned this through our communications this week, is that 100% of what Bob Hazlett does is supported by the generosity of people um, in the churches that he ministers to and the conferences that he goes to. So if you are here this morning and you would say, yes, I want to sow into what he's doing, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward because we're going to receive a special offering this morning. And and 100% of what you give this morning, 100% of what is given tonight, 100% of what is given tomorrow, all goes to the work of what Bob is doing for himself, for his, for his family, and we just want to bless them together. So if you're here today and you can give to encourage that, we would love that. Um, would you just join me and pray? And you can dismiss after the ushers pass by today. But Father, we come before you today, and I want to thank you for the ministry. God, I want to thank you for the open door you gave us a few months ago to even talk to Bob and find out that there was an opening and an availability right in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want to thank you, Lord, that we can hear your voice. That Jesus, your spirit is not far away from us, God, that he's close to us. He lives in us and he wants to communicate with us. And the Father wants to talk to us. Now, God, I just pray that our hearts and our hands would be open today. God, that you would would challenge us and you would speak to us, Lord, and we would respond. 
we would respond. Lord, may we, may we recognize, as Bob said today, that we're not just... We're not just church members or church congregants. We're not just Christians. We're followers of Jesus who have been made sons and daughters of the Almighty God. So God, I just pray you would fill us with clarity and that your spirit would encourage us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Please come forward if you'd like for prayer this morning. And the ushers are going to receive an offering today. Hope to see you tonight at 6 p.m.